This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome back to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge of Wharton website. We're here today to talk about logos, which are probably one of the most recognizable parts of any brand. Wharton marketing professor Ryan Dew has a new paper that looks at a data-driven approach to designing logos. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, first of all, why are logos so important for brands? Well, like you said in your intro, logos are kind of the visual figurehead of any brand. They're the thing that maybe sticks out the most in your mind when you're thinking about any any firm, any brand, think McDonald's, Starbucks, you think immediately these golden arches, this the the green mermaid, all these different things. They're both the thing you think of and they're the thing that the company puts everywhere on their products. And so designing a logo that really conveys the essence of a brand is is pretty important for 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 a firm to get right. Now your paper takes a data-driven approach to looking at this, specifically using machine learning. Why is this a little bit different from how we typically look at logos? So typically, I think that people and, and, and even academics view design as this kind of other thing, this sort of esoteric idea that there's not really data that can speak to this, that you need to have this kind of artistic grasp that is sort of beyond the world of data. And you know, to be frank, I think I also agree with that. It's important to have that artistic sense. But what we're trying to convey in this project is that there's actually a science to it, too, that there are things that data and models can say about the design process that can help firms develop brand identities, visual brand identities that are doing the right things for them. Now, you looked at hundreds of logos in this paper. How did you look at them and what did you find? So the idea uh, behind this project is sort of conveyed in the, the title, which is Letting Logos Speak. Specifically, we looked at, like you said, hundreds of different logos, and we also looked at a bunch of textual data describing these firms, taken mostly from the firm's websites. And we also got consumers to actually react to these logos and to the textual descriptions by rating these firms according to what's called a brand personality scale. That is, if you imagine this firm is a person would this person be friendly? Would this person be uh, honest? Would this person be hardworking? Uh, as a measure of trying to get at the, the essence of the brand. So we have all this data on firms. And what we tried to do is we tried to link these separate domains. That is, we developed an algorithm that lets us work with logos as a source of data. So we call this our logo feature extraction algorithm. And what this algorithm does is it basically breaks a logo into many constituent parts. Things like the font, things like the color scheme, things like how dense is the logo, how light is the logo, what's the shape of the logo, what does the mark on the logo look like. So we have these hundreds of features about the logos. And then we also have all this text, which can be anything. It can be saying, we're a shoe company. It can be saying, you know, we care a lot about being responsible to the environment. It can be... Uh, we are passionate about our customers. Now, is this text on the logo or texts from somewhere else? This is text from the from the from the brand's website, from the firm's website. And the goal is the idea behind this is this text that's that's sitting there on the on the firm's website is conveying what the firm does and what their brand is. And like we said before, the logo is also sort of conveying that same thing. It's conveying the essence of the brand in a visual sense. 
And so the idea is we want to link these two domains to try to get the words to describe what the logo is trying to say, let the logo speak. And conversely, this is actually how the design process sort of works. You start with a, a textual blurb describing this is what I want my brand, this is what my brand is, this is what my firm does. And then you go from that to a logo, to a logo template. And so this is where sort of the, the concept of data-driven design comes in. We both, in the first sense, are able to use text to understand logos, but in the second sense, we're able to go from text to new, new logo templates that'll let firms de develop logos that are consistent with their brand identities. When you looked at all of these logos, was there anything surprising about the results that you got back once you put them through this model? I think actually one of the one of the coolest things is not a specific finding. There's there's of course lots of kind of specific findings, right? You can say for instance, if I want to make a luxurious brand, I should make it black or gray and I should have very thin sort of elegant letters and these sorts of things. And these are all things that come out of of the framework. But what I think is actually the, the most interesting finding is, is really kind of that it works at all. That is that there is a science behind these things and that when we use this model to say develop new brand identities, the results that come out are surprisingly intuitive. Now, in some sense, it's kind of the opposite of what you asked in, this, in the sense that it's not surprising at all. But the surprising element is sort of a level up that we're able to extract this information, that there is a science to this design process, which data and models can speak to, which can help firms develop better brand identities. One of the times when you often will see a logo mentioned in the news is when a company has redesigned its logo and it hasn't gone so well, at least from a customer response perspective. How can this model help with that? So I think there's two ways in which my research can, can speak to this question, one of which is actually where we're going next with these kinds of projects, which is exactly understanding how design trends have changed with time and understanding the elements of brand redesigns, how redesigns have helped and hurt firms in the, in the past. So this is kind of where we're going with this project. And so it's a little sort of the findings are, are, are still out there for some general principles for when logo redesigns or brand redesigns work versus help. But a more fundamental thing that the, that the current paper can address is this idea of coming up with the sort of right template to convey what you want to convey visually. That is, in some sense, firms should be a little cautious when they're designing logos. If you're a tech startup, you don't want to visually convey that you are a fast food, family-friendly fast food company. And yet there are very specific elements, think bold, blocky letters, round logos, a mixture of reds, yellows, maybe blues, that do convey, I am a fast food company. And so for a new firm, particularly, going out there and developing a logo for the first time, they need to be cognizant of these templates and these ideas, these patterns that exist so that they can develop their logos in the right way. Separate from that, there's also this idea that when a firm is thinking about how to design its logo, it can draw on ideas from separate domains. So for instance, maybe we want to develop a luxury fast food brand using the two examples that I've already kind of talked about. Understanding what are the fundamentals, the, the template of luxury 
can help you design a logo that conveys that while then bringing in this idea of fast food maybe in a, in a more subtle way. The, the essence of this is that understanding these templates and having this model of data-driven design can help with the creative process to come up with new either redesigns or new logos that will excel. So now, as you said, people see logos sort of in the design realm. They see it as an art more than a science. And your paper is looking at it more from the data-driven science perspective. So if I'm an individual company working on a logo or updating a logo, how do you see the art side, the designer side, working together with the data side, the science side? Yeah, this is, this is, this is a really important question. Um, I think the answer is we're in this project, we're not out to replace designers. In fact, what we are really developing in this project are kind of logo templates, ideas that can serve as the basis for a visual brand identity, not the full thing. So our algorithm isn't spitting out fully formed logos. Rather, it's spitting out ideas for sort of the layout that you might use, the color scheme that you might use, the font choices. In some sense, the way that the model actually works is very similar to the very first stage in many designers' process, this idea of brainstorming, this idea of looking at the logos that are out there and trying to summarize the key elements of those logos. So these ideas that we've said before, like that many luxury brands have these thin black logos or these fast food companies have these bold red logos or maybe these family-friendly companies have these bright colors. These are ideas that would come out of a brainstorming process at the level of a designer, these very first few stages. And what our model allows us to do is it allows us to approach that problem of designing a template in a very objective way. So it allows us to say, this is what we have in mind. Here are some visual ideas that are consistent with that text or that, that description of our brand that we could then use to design in conjunction with an actual designer a new logo to turn that sort of computer-generated template into actual art. From your research, was there any specific logo of a company out there that kind of presented itself as like the gold standard for doing a logo right? I don't know if there's one that per se does it right. One of the most interesting ones that I like to think about is the logo for Shake Shack. I, I did my PhD in New York. Shake Shack's everywhere in New York. But Shake Shack has also been expanding pretty rapidly these days. And if you think about what Shake Shack does, Shake Shack is... is a fast food company. They sell almost identical products to what any of the other kinds of fast food companies do, like McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's. The product lines are very, very similar. But if you look at Shake Shack's logo, it's this very elegant black and green, uh, thin lines, very uh, uh, reminiscent of kind of maybe like a, like a retro diner sign or fair sign. The elements that they're really drawing on in this logo are very, very different elements from what the main fast food companies are drawing on. But if you think more deeply about it and you try to understand sort of the rationale behind why this might work, the closest competitors, and, and, it's, and it's kind of good, the examples that I've given throughout the podcast, the, the closest uh, visual identities to what Shake Shack's doing, these thin black lines in its kind of elegant font, are really either luxury brands or they're more modern tech brands. When we think about what Shake Shack is doing, Shake Shack is really operating in these mostly urban markets, targeting a specific demographic, which may also be the kinds of consumers that are 
are more interested in these kind of either upscale companies or these kinds of cutting edge tech companies. And so by moving away from this typical family oriented red kind of bold color scheme to this more sleek black color scheme while still maintaining the kind of imagery of a burger at the center, Shake Shack is really able to capitalize on both the the uh, brand relevant design cons- uh, design fundamentals, these these blacks, like I said before, this sleek look, while also bringing in that fast food identity, which which I imagine is really helping uh, them reach out to their kind of core customer base. So with the Shake Shack logo, they're not just showing that they're different from the typical fast food restaurant, but they're also kind of trying to align themselves with these different types of businesses that maybe have nothing to do with burgers. Visually, I think that that's part of the story, and I think that's why that's part of why it works. Of course, part of the the story is is all the, this kind of imagery that's going on in the background, which is also something that's a little bit beyond the scope of my research. So, for instance, my research isn't going to say that this logo looks like something from a diner, like an Art Deco diner from the fifties or whatever. But uh, the fact that they're drawing on a specific color scheme, specific fonts, a specific layout of their logo, is very similar to what these other firms, which are not fast food firms at all, but what they're doing. And so this similarity, I think, is going to echo in the minds of consumers and allow Shake Shack to resonate better with a certain kind of urban, maybe younger customer base to say, hey, fast food is is cool again. Ryan, thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for your time. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's articles, podcasts, and more on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really does help like-minded folks to find the show. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.